go, man. Great to have you here with us today. Great to be celebrating with you. We serve an amazing God. In the Christmas season, such a sweet time to take to remember all that he is for us as he came down, as he came in clothed in the flesh of a baby, Jesus Christ, our King of kings and Lord of lords. May he get all the glory. And all of God's people said... Amen, man. We are in a Christmas series here called What a Gift. Like, what's so great about Jesus? Let's walk through and understand those. You can see the words up there that we're going to be walking through over the weeks. And we covered hope last week, and we're on joy this week. And then we'll be talking about love and peace as we walk through this Christmas season, just looking at some of the great character of God moments revealed into our lives that we can then taste of, right? And so today we're talking about joy. I thought I'd get it started just by reading a piece of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. It starts out in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, can you imagine that moment? as the whole dark hillside lit up with hundreds of thousands of angels. And they cried out, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They thundered forth, glory to God in the highest. Everybody just say that with me. Glory to God in the highest, louder and bigger. Glory to God in the highest. And that's just about 1,200 here saying that. Imagine thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels thundering it forth. Glory to God in the highest. And what was it like to know that Jesus had come? What was it like to have seen him, to have been there with him? What could it be like for us today to taste of similar? That's what we're walking through today. So turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to talk about joy to the world. And what it looks like to celebrate Jesus Christ today. Joy to the world. We're going to start out point number one. It's an undeniable reality. Trust the testimonies of those who met Christ. It's an undeniable reality. Trust the testimonies of those who met Christ. And as we talk about being able to celebrate Jesus Christ, this is one thing we have to grasp. Undeniable reality. He exists. He is real. And let's trust those who met him face to face. So we're starting out 1 John chapter 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
Let's just start at the top. It says, that which was from the beginning. In fact, in the original language, that word could mean either that or who or which, right? And, and the concept that we're talking about here and talking very specifically about Jesus in this moment. Everybody say Jesus. That's what we're talking about. He says, that which was from the beginning, from the beginning, like from eternity past and, and from, from way, way back before anything else began, from the beginning. Now, some will say, I, I don't think it means eternity past. I think it actually means from the beginning of the physical creation, like from the beginning of physical creation of, and, and there's a problem with that that I'm not going to spend the time on, but, but it's not that. And some will say, I think it's the beginning of the gospel. I, I think it's when the gospel came out. And, and look, in all of those moments, Christ was there from that moment on. So true. Everybody say, so true. Like he was there from that moment on. But man, if you take 1 John chapter 1 and you jump back to John chapter 1, the same author, and he says, that which was from the beginning, right? He ties it there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Man, he is all about this Jesus from the beginning, God Almighty, eternity past all over it. That's what he's talking about here. I'm absolutely convinced he's tying it right back to John chapter 1, same concept. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, existing from eternity past with God, which we have heard. This is John talking here. He's hung out with Jesus, and he's like, I'm telling you, I've heard his voice. I could recognize it in a room. I recognize the laughter he has. I can tell you when he's cracking a joke. I've heard him talk. I, I heard him turn to someone and speak to them in such a tender fashion that all of a sudden, he, as he spoke, he healed like, I'm telling you, I've heard him. I, I know his voice, and I know his character, and I know his laughter, and I know his heart for people. I've heard him. And that's a big deal, to be able to have heard the voice of Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that as he's talking later on, and people are like, I don't think so. Right? We're in the book of 1 John here, and the reason that this book is being written is because there's a lot of people who are like, I don't think so. I think that sin is anything physical. Anything physical. That's what they were saying at that time. They were called Gnostics. Anything physical sin. So Jesus, God Almighty, we believe he's God. He must not have come in the physical flesh because otherwise that would be sinful. And so, no, not in the physical. And John's like, listen to me. I I've heard his voice audibly in this physical world. I've heard him. But more than that, he says that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. I've seen him, man. I can tell you the color of his hair. I can tell you the color of his eyes. I can tell you how tall he was. I can tell you where he stood next to me in height. I've seen him. I can tell you what his smile looked like. I can tell you what his teeth looked like. Have you ever noticed that there's times where you notice the color of someone's teeth? Like, those are so white, right? Or those are so not white, right? 
that moment of, and he's rec- he knows details about Jesus. I- I've seen him. I recognize his face in a crowd. Just so you know, it's probably not very close to that picture that a lot of people had hung on their wall in like the 1950s to the 1990s. You know what I'm talking about? There was that one Jesus picture. I have no idea how that thing went viral, but that one painting and uh, has him very white, by the way. That's a little bit of a problem. But that one painting where he's not Middle Eastern and he's not necessarily, and they've chosen what they think he would look like. They painted it up, handed it out, and now everybody had those on their walls, right? I had that on our wall growing up in our home. And man, just so you know, he's like, nice try. I've seen him. I know exactly what he looks like. I've heard his voice. I've seen him. And then he says, which we have looked at and have touched with our hands. And uh, can you imagine? He's like, you're saying he's not physically real. I'm telling you, there were times where we were walking along and he said something humorous, cracked a joke, and I like leaned over and I pushed him as I'm like, yeah, right. And he kind of moved a little and we were joking with each other. I touched him. I'm telling you, I've reached out and shook his hand. I've given him hugs. I leaned up against him. I know he's physically real. I touched him, man. I've seen him. I've heard him. He is so absolutely physically real. This is one of the disciples walking with Jesus Christ who was like, I'm just telling you, I'm willing to die for this truth. This is who he is. Right? And, uh, what a huge privilege we have to be able to hear a little bit of his testimony is like, is he's like physical. Oh, yeah. Heard him. Seen him. Touched him. Absolutely real along the way. He says, which we have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life. The word of life. And John loves to refer to Jesus as the word. Just so you know, in the original language, like in the Greek, the word, word, right? Lagos. It means the expression of oneself, lagos. It represented you revealing a part of you. As you began to speak, you were revealing some of you. And so Jesus Christ is the lagos. He is the expression of God into this physical world. He is making real God Almighty as he came into this physical world physically and was expressing the whole character of God. To all of those around him. He was the Lagos, the word, and he brought hope and he brought life, the word of life, Jesus Christ. And that's a huge deal. He says, the life was made manifest. Everybody just say, this is Jesus. It's like the life was made manifest. The life was revealed before us. That's what the word manifest means. It was shown or revealed, and we have seen it. Like we watched him move in this world and make an impact and testify to it like we will take a stand we are absolutely going to say we have seen him we have been with him we have laughed with him we have joked with him we have hurt with him we have eaten with him we have touched him we have heard him jesus christ he is so real the testimony of a disciple 
Now, when we started here this morning, we read a little bit about the shepherds being called by the angels to go meet Jesus Christ as a baby. And can you imagine their testimony? Here's just a little bit more of that passage. It says, when the angels went away from there and they went into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Yeah, I would, that's kind of an obvious, right? Like, I'm glad they recorded it, but they almost don't have to say it. Thunderous hundreds of thousands of angels. Glory to God in the highest. God has come. Peace on earth. Right over here in Bethlehem. And they're like, maybe tomorrow. Right? No way, right? They're like, let's go see this right now. And uh, let's go to Bethlehem. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They're like, Mary, I don't know if you know this, but this is what just happened about a mile from here. And this is what thunderously was stated to us. Peace on earth through this little child. Hope, amazing. Angels singing about him. And, uh, you know, every mom who's had a child thinks this kid is awesome, right? Can you imagine what Mary's thinking? She's like, this is unbelievable. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They testified to what they knew and what they saw. And God used it to bring people to him. And that's exactly what we're seeing here as John begins to testify as the truth of Jesus Christ and the hope in Jesus Christ. He says, we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, Jesus Christ. He is God the Son. He's been with God the Father from eternity past. He stepped down and clothed himself with flesh and became a baby and grew up into this world and rocked the place with his greatness, Jesus Christ. And he's like, I'm just telling you, we take a stand for the hope we have in him, for the eternal life in Jesus Christ. Man, if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and you confess him as Lord, he's in charge of my life, take over, that is saved. Lord Jesus, take over in my life. You're in charge. You are real. And I'm handing you my life. Saved. Man, we have hope in him as we lean on him. And eternal life is brought through him. Ready? And all of God's people said. Amen. You know, in this season of Christmas, there's a lot of people out shopping and hustling around and getting out to dinners and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and you go over to the mall and, you know, you get over to like a food court area and you're watching the family kind of sit down, a little bit of kind of organized chaos as mom's trying to get things structured and get kids fed, right? And then there's that little one where she has to break out whatever she had to bring with, right? As mom breaks it out, she like scoops it up, brings it over to the child's mouth to hand to them, like put in their mouth and they're like... Mm. No thanks, right? In that moment, mom, you're sitting there and you're like, eat it, right? I mean, in the most love possible, eat it, right? And they're not, and you're trying to, and you're like pasting their face with it, and they won't take any of it. And so what do you do next? You scoop it up and you go, 
Mmm, right? Now you start eating a little bit of it, whether you think it's good or not, right? You're like, my word, mmm, right? And then you turn around another scoop for them and you hold it to them and they look at you and they're like, well, okay. If mom thinks it's good and all of a sudden they open their mouth and you're starting to feed them, right? And just so you know, they have actually looked to you and trusted you to figure out what they should do next. And uh, that's actually called trust transference. It's a whole marketing concept. Did you know that? It's in a complete marketing concept. Who you trust, we're going to get to make a statement and take a stand. And then you begin to trust them and you move along in your trust. What they trust, you'll now trust, right? Just so you know, that's why when we watch commercials, they grab somebody that you may know, right? Some movie star or athlete or whatever. They're grabbing somebody you might have respect for. And as they take a stand, you're like, well, all right. If they like that, then I like that. And now you give it a try. Trust transference. That's what's going on. Half the time you're like, why did they choose them? I don't trust that guy. Right? I don't know what they're talking about, and, but I'm telling you, that's the goal, is picking a person where you have trust in them so that you can now move forward with them. This right here is a moment of trust transference. As the disciple who has walked with Jesus Christ, who has talked with Jesus Christ, who heard him, who saw him, who touched him, who has listened to him live day in and day out and is willing to die for him. He's like, hear me, man. Jesus Christ, he is so undeniably real. Believe me and lean in to him. So how's your trust? Are you willing to read this, heed this, and see a little bit of what the disciple is saying and go, all right, you were there and you're taking a stand that would cost you your life. I get it. I'm grasping some of where you are. Trust. Trust in Jesus Christ. All right? That's number one. Number two, life-altering power. Man, if we're going to lean on Jesus Christ, if we're going to experience Christ today, then life-altering power is what we're going to taste. Experience the transformation as you believe in him and are saved. Life-altering power. Experience the transformation as you believe in him and are saved. We pick it up in verse 3 here. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So he's like, that which we have seen. Remember, we just talked about it. It's that same word in the original language. It's like, now we're talking about Jesus again. Everybody say Jesus. So Jesus, I'm telling you, I just got done telling you, I've heard him. I've seen him. I've touched him. That which we have seen and heard, now I'm proclaiming him to you. Know this. He is unbelievable. Grasp him with all you've got. He said, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. We long for you to know the God who has existed from eternity past and made himself known in this world. As he broke in to this life physically, clothing himself with humanity, fully God, fully man, yet without sin. It's a miracle. Know this. Jesus Christ, it is absolutely true. 
And he's like, now we proclaim it to you. Trust me as I hand this to you. Now we proclaim it to you. He says, so that. Now, whenever you're reading scripture, make sure you read well, right? So that. This is a purpose statement. And he's like, we're proclaiming it to you so that. Like, we're trying to accomplish something right now. I am proclaiming this to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. You too may have fellowship with us. He's like, I'm just telling you, man, we are relating to the God of the universe. And as we connect to God the Father and God the Son, and as we grasp all that he is, and as you have the chance now to grasp who he is, we can begin to have a fellowship with each other. Now, I'm just going to get really direct here, all right? Please hear me. He did not just say, we proclaim Jesus Christ so that we can go have potluck dinners together, right? Because when we see the word fellowship, what's the word we think of? If you grew up in a traditional church like me, you're like crockpots, lots of outlets, right? <laughs> fellowship. Isn't that fellowship? And, right? and the reality is, look, there's it's nothing wrong with spending time together. And really, God bless crockpots. There's nothing wrong with those, right? <laughs> but, but the reality is, fellowship is not about that. Fellowship is so much deeper. It is so much richer. It is not just a horizontal thing going on. Man, I hope you've caught this if you've been around Harvest for a while, but we do not build our ministries on connecting people horizontally. We do not start first with social and hope something comes later. We go after a vertical power worship of Jesus Christ. We long for him to be glorified. And as we go after him with all we've got, it's not wrong that there's things that come around that, social that may be a part here and there, but we will first and foremost proclaim the authority of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and he's like, hear me, man, we proclaim Christ to you so that you might have fellowship with us. And then he gets really clear on it. And hey, in case you think I'm just talking about a horizontal relationship where we hang out and have great food, he's like, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He's like, don't miss it, man. The kind of fellowship I'm talking about, it is extremely vertical. And as we get close to God the Father, and as the Son gets revealed to us and our lives get altered and the Holy Spirit starts doing a work, as my soul starts to be transformed and I begin to celebrate who God is, there is a relationship with God that you cannot explain. It just starts rocking your world. And he's like, have that fellowship. That fellowship that we're having with him so you can share now with us in that. May we go after it together. A partnership as we worship. May God get all the glory. He's like, fellowship. I'm just telling you, there is no greater recipe for community in a church than 1 John chapter 1, okay? And he goes on to talk about it again in the next few verses, and he's like, we have fellowship with each other while we walk in the light. And if we walk in the light, we are connected with him and with others. It all starts with walking with our God. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with a social. It starts with a vertical power worship. All right. So that said, uh, I just wanted to put a few words down here. How 
we can experience fellowship with Christ. How we can experience fellowship or life with Christ. Here's four ways. Ready? Number one, power worship. Power worship. Like I'm just telling you, spending time where you are saying you are awesome, God, and here's why. Make sure those words hit your lips, and I'll just say this, make sure they hit your lips audibly. Like the more you just kind of think it in your head, it is so easy for our mind to just run off to the next thing, isn't it? For whatever reason, when you start to try to control the words that touch your lips, it makes you focus more on what you're thinking about and talking about. And as you begin to talk audibly about, like, I'm just telling you, God, you are awesome and here's why. Man, make sure you spend some time adoring your God, thanking your God, praising your God verbally on your lips. Power worship. If you're going to experience a fellowship with your God, worship big, number one. Number two, not just power worship, power word. Spend some time getting into the word. Open up, go to a passage, whatever it may be. Maybe it's one verse, maybe it's a handful of verses. Maybe it's bold heading to bold heading. Maybe it's whole chapters for the day you're in. Whatever it is where you go to it, go in and start walking through the word and you start with this, Lord, I am ready to meet you, rock my world. And then as you start reading, you are now reading, God, show me who you are. Please read scripture looking for who God is. All too often, we start to read scripture saying, God, just show me what I need to do. Just, just show me where I need to change my behaviors. And, and like all of a sudden, we're getting into this legalistic style of walk, and we're only looking at this as a self-help book. And man, what a mistake. As you open up, just be like, God, I am ready to meet you. Show me who you are. And as you open the passage and you begin to dig in, you may see words like that, which was from the beginning. And just stop and be like, Lord, I worship you who has eternity past as a part of the description of who you are. I can't even grasp it. You're amazing. Man, let the word shape your worship. Power worship, power word. Take some time as you read through to be able to see what's so great about God in that passage, right? Here's another one, number three. I'll say it a little carefully here, but power healing Power healing. Now, maybe it's not physical. Maybe it is physical. Maybe God does something physical in your life, but maybe it's just a spiritual thing going on where he begins to shape and change your heart, where he begins to shape what's going on inside of you. He removes some sin. He begins to pour in. There begins to be a from one degree of glory to the next. I'm just telling you this. There is something about hearing somebody else trust Jesus Christ where you're like, that's awesome. And it, it can even be a little stirring, right? I mean, you think of our baptisms where they stand up and they're like, here's what was going on in my life and this is what rocked my world. And you're like, that's so awesome. It starts to stir you as you're trusting the one who is now trusting Christ. But there's something else that happens when you begin to taste of it personally. When God starts doing something in you that you could not believe, when a sin you've been struggling with is done and over, when the stuff you've been valuing is no longer being valued, you're beginning to head more like Christ. And all of a sudden you're like, God, you're doing something in my life and I can see you moving in. That power healing moment, that change transformation moment, it changes your worship forever. Personally tasting of God working 
in your life. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? And go after it with all you've got. Power worship, power word, power healing, and then number four, power friendships. Connecting with others who know Jesus Christ and they lean on Jesus Christ and they're getting rocked by him as well. And spending time together. That's the fellowship he's talking about. He's talking about a connection of people who have power worship and power word and power transformation going on in their life. And they're shaping each other and rallying each other and connecting with each other as they head closer and closer to their God. May God get all the glory. And man, in this Christmas season, it's just so easy for us to get distracted away into the things that are so horizontal. And there's nothing wrong with spending time horizontally getting off into something that is deeply vertical. Go after it with all you've got. Handing your life to him. Power worship, power word, power healing, and power friendships. May God get all the glory. I'm telling you, a firsthand experience changes everything, right? Firsthand experience changes everything. So you guys know this, but uh, our family went to Israel uh, a couple weeks back, a month back now, and, and uh, really just had a great time there. We were able to connect with our daughter over there and then be able to see some things. And, and there were a few moments that happened when we were over there where we were standing in a place where a big event came down in Scripture. And being able to be right where it was was sort of life-altering. Let's go ahead and throw this slide up. And... Uh, so this is a slide of John and me standing on the southern steps of the temple. So we're actually standing right in front of the temple. This is the southern side. There are steps right there. Can you see that arch on the top? If you're like, why did they make the picture so small? Their heads are very little. Like, I can't even prove that's them right now. Just so you know, that is us, right? And the reason I did that is because you see those arches at the top? That's the old entryway into the temple. Like in the time of Jesus... That's what he would have walked through right there. Those entries right there, he was walking through to get into the temple. It would take you underneath and up onto the top of the temple mount, okay? Just so you know, if you look on the bottom there, our feet right there are touching on a stone that is known to be one of the oldest stones in the staircase of the southern steps. In fact, it goes all the way back to the time of King Solomon. So you're looking at way back, right? Seven, eight, nine hundred years before Christ. This is well, but king's feet touched that stone. Disciples' feet touched that stone as they came up in. The apostle Paul, before he was an apostle, rebel to the core, his feet touched that stone coming up into the temple. Jesus' feet walked right there. And there was a moment when we're standing there as we took this photo together where we're like, we are standing right where crowds would have been coming in, where Jesus would have been walking with someone and talking with someone and his feet touched right in here. And I'm just telling you, it changes everything. You're no longer looking at a bunch of stones sitting in front of you. All of a sudden, you're looking at scripture leaping off the page and becoming real right there. Experiencing it really brings it to life. Man, I'm just telling you, that is such a little moment compared to you begin to talk with your God. You relate to your king. 
You're sharing across to him, and he starts moving in you. And you literally begin to get to know the character of your God as he changes your soul. Experience him, men. Don't miss the opportunity if you have heard all about Jesus and you have literally been living on the trust of others. And you're like, I think the Jesus thing is probably true. They seem like they got their act together and their trust in Jesus. Time to make it yours. Time to shift from trusting another person's thoughts and begin to experience Christ personally yourself. Time for some power worship, getting into the word and saying, God, show me who you are and handing him your life and saying, Lord, take over. And I'm just telling you, moving from I trust my parents, God, to he is my king is everything. Kids, hear me. If you're in this room, you're junior high, high school, college, even post-college, man, I'm telling you, it is time to make it not your parents' faith. This is my trust in my God. Are you ready to step up and say, I will experience him in all of his fullness. Power worship. Power word. Lord, change my heart. Power healing. I am ready to meet you. It'll rock your world. It'll bring amazing joy. Ready? And all of God's people said, and you can trust that. Three. Point number three. Incomparable joy. Incomparable joy. Embrace it all and you will sing joy to the world. Embrace it all and you will sing joy to the world. He says here in verse 4, and we are writing these things. What things? All this truth about who Jesus Christ is, that he is physically real that there are disciples who have heard him, they have seen him, they have touched him, and they are willing to die for him. Yes, we can trust their account, but more than that, and they are proclaiming it out that we might be able to believe and take and touch and make it our own. We are writing these things. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, we are writing these things so that, there we go again, purpose statement, so that I am writing these things in verses 1 through 4, right? That's what he's saying. Verses 1 through 4, so that our joy may be complete. Please note, he does not say, so that your joy may be complete. Joy is massively corporate. Joy is massively shared. And he's like, hear me, man, as we go after joy with our God, as we go after life experience with him, and as you go after life experience with him, all of us together, our joy, unbelievably complete, fulfilled, awesome, as we walk with him, joy, what does that word even mean? Maybe a little bit misused in our society today, but a great understanding, a deep satisfaction despite the circumstances, joy. A deep satisfaction despite the circumstances, right? 
If you try to say it's a deep satisfaction in the circumstances, you're probably talking something more like happy, right? It's like, no, things went really great today. Hey, how you feeling? Really good. Things went great today, right? We're basing it on our circumstances. Joy. Hey, man, how's your joy? Awesome. Not dependent on anyone or anything around me. It is in my God alone. I am leaning on him. I am trusting in him. And I am meeting the king of the universe. And he is rocking my world. Joy despite the circumstances. And all of God's people said, man, he's like, just so, just so you know this, I'm sharing this with you so that our deep satisfaction, despite the circumstances, is rocking our world. May it be complete, fulfilled, mature. May there be nothing left to do because God is doing the massive work. Joy. And as you are walking through your day, are you tasting joy? Joy. Are you tasting something that is so satisfying because you are meeting the God of the universe in varieties of ways and he is blowing your mind? Please hear me, man. I'm not kidding when I say this. There is a point where you need to start to say, God, I am pouring myself into this intentionally, purposefully, even verbally. I'm going to get into this with all I've got. Lord, I'm telling you where I'm at. Make sure your prayer life is a real time with your God, not where you just kind of pray in your mind. You know the kind, where you start to pray in your mind and within four seconds you're like, did I turn on the oven? Right? And then you're going on a little bit longer and then you're like, where are the kids? It's too quiet. Right? All those kinds of prayers that are so distracted. Man, get into it with your God. Don't miss out. He is meeting with you right there. This is your time between you and the king of the universe. Experience it deeply and watch God blow you away. Joy. So I just wrote this down. This is a quote from a guy named James Merritt talking about joy. He said, Watts was right when he titled his carol, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. For Christmas is not, everybody say not, it is not just joy to America. It's not a national joy. It is not, everybody say not. It is not joy to the Caucasian. It's not a racial joy. It is not joy to the West. It's not a cultural joy. It is not joy to the rich. It is not a financial joy. It is not joy to the educated. It is not intellectual joy. It is not joy to the happy. It's not emotional joy. It is not joy to the healthy. It's not a physical joy, and it's really just one thing simply. Joy to the world. It is a universal joy available to all to drink deep of in Jesus Christ. Joy to the world. Everybody just say it loud and say it big. Joy to the world. Louder and bigger. Man, as we taste of the realness of Jesus Christ, as we experience him personally, as we partner with those who are going after it together and we find a complete joy in this Christmas season, may we declare joy to the world. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 